It's time to give the most casual and most frozen opinions on the world of professional wrestling and sports again. Open up that fridge and grab that very cold lasagna. It's a new week. Yes, it is. As the new day of the WWE would like to say it. It's a new day. It's a new week. And it's a brand new episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast. The podcast housing a safe and open space for casual, cold, and even very weird discussion and the dumbest takes on WWE, All Elite Wrestling, the NFL, and the wide world of sports and wrestling in general. So, we got a packed uh, show for you all once again, and it's obviously the most wonderful time of the year for the NFL, and it's still raging on uh, as the playoffs roll on. We got the divisionals of them from this past weekend, for, so we're going to recap all the games um, from the Elite Eight teams remaining, and obviously only four teams are left in the championship rounds, the NFC and AFC championship games, so we got the final four, so we once we do the recap, we'll be going into the preview of the championship games on Championship Sunday, this Sunday, uh, but first... I encourage you all to f- subscribe to me on YouTube. Very cold lasagna. Click that subscribe button. It means the world to me. And what means more to me, though, is you tap the notification bell so you don't miss any of my uploads, any of the updates happening regarding the channel. I recently put out an ex- the first extra, the first bonus uh, video here on the channel and talking about um, my reaction to WrestleMania um, for the next three years, their locations. So go check that out. I had some good some good opinions on that regarding the matter. So go check it out. And I encourage you all to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you want to listen to it on, the, on whichever listening platform you prefer, I am available on Anchor, Spotify. And for all you lis- Apple listeners out there, I am now... The Very Cold Lasagna Podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts. So you got three options available for you all out there that want to listen to Very Cold Lasagna. And I encourage you all to listen to it. We are now four episodes deep. And we're going to keep this train rolling. We're going to keep this uh, Very Cold Lasagna train rolling. So let's let's get our juices flowing here. Let's get our juices flowing here, people. Share this with your friends. Share this with your family members. Share it with a stranger. Share it with anybody. This is the safe space for a casual fan like you and me. This was made for the casual by the casual and me. So share this with however you can and listen and watch it however you can. YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at VeryColdLasagna um, to get the latest and greatest on the podcast. So support the podcast any way you can um and again all your support means the world to me so with that out of the way um i do want to plug one more thing obviously um with the championship sunday coming up that means next week's actually uh, next week's episode will not just be about um the championship games but obviously an early super bowl preview however i will not just be doing one episode um next week i'll be doing two because next week is also the pro bowl but who really cares about the pro bowl (laughs) not me i i really don't care about the pro bowl especially because this year 
it's just a Pro Bowl celebration because of COVID, and that's unfortunate because I know some players in the NFL do care about the Pro Bowl and they want to play an extra game because they made the Pro Bowl. But I'm sorry, I, like I still don't care about the Pro Bowl. So that being said, for my wrestling fans out there that want me to do a full dedicated uh, podcast episode on wrestling, the Roy Rumble is next Sunday, the same day as the Pro Bowl at the end of the month. So not only am I going to do a episode recapping the the NFC and AFC championship games, and of course the early Super Bowl preview, I'm also going to be doing a separate episode for my wrestling fans out there, giving my what I like to call very blind Royal Rumble predictions for 2021 because I called them blind. Well, I'll, I'll spoil it for now, I guess, uh, but I'll get to it when I, when I make this ep when I make that episode, I call it very blind because I do, I have not paid atten paid attention to raw SmackDown and even NXT for the last several months. So, <laughs> I don't really know as of right now, but I'll have a definitive answer for you on who exactly I would like to win both the men's and the women's Royal Rumble match. Um, but not only am I going to cover the men's and women's Royal Rumble match, and I will also be covering, at the time of that recording, the card for the rest of the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. So that should be fun to do, and for all my wrestling fans out there, um, I hope you'll um, enjoy that episode. Um, so that's coming up um, very soon, next next week. So two episodes next week. I'm that's actually going to be a lot of two uh, double uploads um, the next coming weeks. Um, so stay tuned for all the exciting stuff. We got the next on uh, next week. We got not the championship recaps in the super bowl preview early super bowl preview but we also got the royal rumble predictions and then on during super bowl week we got the royal rumble recap and then on the i think it's the thursday or the fr friday before the super bowl we got my final super bowl predictions um whoever the teams will be and then obviously the week after we'll be back to regular back to normal with um the Super Bowl recap. So that's that's a pretty good um, plan right there. We got like we got a good um, structure of episodes right there. But I it's gonna be a lot of work for me. And I'm I'm even though it seems like a lot, I'm still having fun with this. I'm still having fun with this podcast and even in its uh, debut weeks. And I hope, I just hope that you guys are enjoying this too. I really hope that you guys are enjoying this too. Enjoying my takes, however uh, good or stupid they may be. <laughs> and I would like to hear from you, uh, especially um, not just on the listening platforms, but also on YouTube because, um, like, obviously the comments are more no known there on YouTube. Like, I can see on the videos and stuff. But I would like... To see whoever comes across my videos, uh, the video versions of the podcast, I would like to see it in full strength. Good, bad, uh, smarky, or casual. I, I really like to see it because, again, this is a safe space for casual fans to give their opinions without 
without conviction, without judgment from anyone else. And yeah, so that's the plan for the next couple of weeks on this podcast. Um, we got a lot, a lot of work um, in store, and it should be exciting. It should be really exciting. So now, now we got all the self promotion out of the way. <laughs> let's let's now finally talk about the big, the big stuff. Um, that happened around the NFL. Um, before we get into recapping the divisional round, um, the of uh, the playoffs, and this was actually happened earlier today on Wednesday at, when I'm recording this. Um, 17-year NFL quarterback um, Philip Rivers announced his retirement um, from the NFL, and I gotta say that's I I'm. I don't know if I can say I'm surprised or not surprised, but in all honesty, it's just kind of weird when a, a quarterback that's been playing this long finally retires, you know? So Phillip Rivers, um, if you don't know, has played for 17 years, 16 seasons, like 16 seasons. He spent the majority of his career with the San Diego, then now known as the LA Chargers, um, but again, I called them for the LA Clippers because yeah, they, they love to choke. Um, but not all because of Philip Rivers. And then he spent, uh, 2020, uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. We, I talked about their season, um, last week, especially in regards to the wild card round. And yeah, 2004, he entered the NFL draft. Uh, fourth overall, we all know what happened. Um, we all not everyone actually. For those of you that didn't know what happened there, he was originally supposed to go to the New York Giants, but Eli Manning. Uh, I forget. I forgot what pick he was, but Eli Manning um didn't want to go to San Diego. He was originally picked by the Chargers, so the Giants and the Chargers swapped pick. They traded each other's quarterbacks. So Rivers went to San Diego. Eli went to the Giants. And while Eli, yes, he does have two rings. He's ha- he's been an an okay quarterback. He he's been eh. He's been all right. He's like he's. I'd say his two Super Bowl rings against the Patriots were lucky. Like they were, those playoff runs were just like sudden. That's all I can say about it. Were just sudden, especially the 2011 um, run, where they got they just managed to catch a lot of lucky breaks. But as for Philip Rivers, um, his achievements, um, from according to Bleacher Report, um, he's eight-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he's fifth in the list of career touchdowns, so he's in the top 10. Fifth in career passing yards. Fifth in career completions. Fifth, 12th in career passer rating. He's never missed a game, so he's made 252 straight starts. So he's had that perfect attendance until his retirement. So you like you never know Phil Rivers because he's been that perfect grade a student (laughs) um 
especially when he played through a torn ACL in the 2007 AC title game against the undefeated New England Patriots. So, Philip Rivers has had a career, man. He's like, he's been a really good like. He's been a really good passer, especially in his prime. I I still remember watching um like classic videos of the 2006 charge uh not the 2000 the 2005 Chargers um and they they were, they were really good when Philip Rivers had Ladainian Tomlinson and they were just li- like Philip Rivers was just lining it up. Unfortunately, though. Um, the, the 2000, yeah, the 2005 and 2006 Chargers, the, he, they were just lighting it up. Unfortunately, the <laughs> talent around him, like Philip Rivers never got to the big one. That's the thing. That's the downside of Philip Rivers. And that's kind of like the casuals, um, that watching that listening and watching this podcast. That's what a lot of casuals are going to know Philip Rivers for. Um, and that's the downside of it, unfortunately. Phil Rivers never ever made it to a Super Bowl, um, and that's how some fans, some ca- especially the casuals, will define him. And some of it is on Rivers, especially in his uh, post prime years. I still g- greatly remember 2016 when he, when the Chargers choked so many games, <laughs> and Phil Rivers threw so many interceptions, um, and that was just like. Oh man, is he starting to become washed? <laughs> yeah, that that's gonna be that's not good. But you also have to take into consideration that he's had a lot of bad coaches. He's, his supporting cast kind of deteriorated following the 2007 season. Like slowly but surely, yeah, the, the supporting cast was like going down the drain. So Phil Rivers. Has had a, a hell of a year, uh, not a hell of a year, a hell of a career, uh, statistically, but in performance-wise, but he's just never made the big one. But that shouldn't be what defines his uh, career, though. It's like the quarterback that never made it to the Super Bowl, but is still hall. Of, like I still think he's Hall of Fame worthy. You know, just I don't know, like if he's like in the first like S tier <laughs> if you like to call it that S tier Hall of Fame bound you know like first ballot as the like professionals like to call it like they they also call it second ballot um Hall of Fame like you know like the second list of of Hall of Famers that are the second considerations so i think Phil Rivers can make it as a second ballot but accordingly um to something i watched earlier he he's eligible in first eligible in 2026 but i don't know might take him another couple of year couple of years for him to consider even second year but we'll see philip rivers is a was a really good quarterback that just didn't have that the chargers just didn't like give him even better talent and even better coaching and that's what that's why he never went back to he never ever went to the Super Bowl or even back to the AFC title game. So that really like that really sucks for Philip Rivers. Um, but yeah, as the later years the later years proved, 
his body wore like his body somewhat wore down, but he still was a, a little efficient. But yeah, the riverceptions were we're getting there. We're reaching that point. But he gets to enjoy retirement now. Um, he's had a great career, and now he gets to start his retirement by coaching high school football in his home state of Alabama. So from you, from me to you, Mr. Rivers, I wish you a great retirement and hope you enjoy your the rest of your fabulous life because I know it'll be great. So now onto the head coaching hires that happened throughout the last week of the NFL because there were certainly um, a couple of them. Former Ohio State head coach and three-time national uh, champion of college football, Urban Meyer. Um, some of you, a lot of you um, diehard uh, football fans may be familiar with uh, this this name. He's apparently the hot na- one of the uh, legendary names in the college football world. Um, and he was hired as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unfortunately for the Jaguars, though, <laughs> they their dumbasses decided to hire Trent Baalke, um, the Niners' former general manager, now the Jaguars' general manager. So have fun with that. Um, but as with Urban Meyer, um, I don't know how how he's gonna do, um, really, because this is his first NFL um, head coaching job. But he that apparently he he's gonna get Trevor Lawrence. Um, that's granted if Trent Baalke doesn't draft some dumbass uh, defensive player that has a torn ACL history. But they're probably gonna get Trevor Lawrence, and they're probably gonna get pieces to support Lawrence. And I don't know what kind of uh, coach he is. Is he an offensive, defensive? We'll see. But. It should be interesting um, to see how the Jaguars um, build around support and how Urban Meyer coaches this team uh, next season and the next uh, two years. But man, (laughs) how do the Jaguars fuck up by hiring Trent Baalke's dumbass, huh? Anyway, um, now Robert Sala, for my Niners fans out there, he was our defensive coordinator for the last uh, four seasons. He was hired at, recently hired as the New York Jets head coach. So he's he's gonna do some great things in New York. Um, he, he he's he inspired he built up that great defense in 2019, and he, even with all the injuries in 2020, um, he made the Niners a top five defense um, in the in the NFL, and hopefully he brings that same leadership, that same energy, that same passion. Um, into New York um, as a as a head coach, and I just wish him the best of luck um, with the Jets. So that good hire, but really good hire by the Jets there. And as for the Tennessee Titans, uh, not not the Tennessee Titans, the Atlanta Falcons, they hired the the Titans for now former offensive coordinator Arthur Smith uh, as head coach. All I know about Arthur Smith is that he obviously coached. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and he's obviously helped them with their progression, with their significant progression. So I don't know what the plan is for him. What is he gonna like, Coach Matt Ryan? 
I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but I guess, I guess congratulations. And then Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator is moving next door. I guess, <laughs> I guess you can move, say next door because he was hired as the chargers head coach. Now I, I don't know too much about uh, Brandon Staley, but all I can say is, Hey, he made, he made a really good move. By just literally going across town, <laughs> switch, literally switching LA teams. So he knows what's up. He knows what's up. <laughs> and then we we just recently heard about this. Um, this I think is today, earlier today or yesterday, that Dan Campbell um, accepted the position of the head coach of the the Detroit Lions. Uh, he was the Saints. Uh, assistant head coach and well there you go uh, Lions fans now for the remaining head coaching openings we have the Philadelphia Eagles and oof oof after they fired uh, Doug Peterson like late like a couple weeks ago man and not only that they have to decide on what to do with Carson Wentz and whether or not he wants to ask for a trade and with Jalen Hurts is like kind of like kind of resurgence. Oh man. I don't know if I want to be the Eagles. I don't know if I want to coach the Eagles right now, but the big name floating around is new England Patriots offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Um, right now he's apparently the favorite to get the gig, but if I were if I were the Eagles, I would be wary of McDaniel's going uh, heel on your ass. He, you know, the heel turn, you know, going rogue, as they like to say it in wrestling. Because history lesson, he accepted the job when the Indianapolis Colts position ha- had a head coaching job uh, position in 2018. But... The day after, like when McDaniel's had a press conference for the Colts, he withdrew from he withdrew from the agreement and went back to New England like a pussy. So I don't know. Was he really was it really a pussy move? I I I don't know. Maybe he's just waiting for Bill Belichick to retire and then he can become uh, the head coach. But all I can say is McDaniels flaked out. McDaniels flaked out, and then Frank Reich stepped in. And I think Frank Reich stepped in pretty pretty good, you know. But, yeah, I, if I'm the Eagles, I would be wary of McDaniels probably pussying out, flaking out on you of the position. But, I mean, I can't – even then, I can't blame him. <laughs> Because of the environment the Eagles have created, um, especially with the Carson Wentz drama, all like your salary cap position, it's like it's not hell like Saints hell, um, and we'll get into that when we talk about the Saints off off season needs. But man, they are like literally tied up to Carson Wentz, and oof, it's not good, man. They can't like spend anything, so. Be on the lookout. <laughs> if you're, if any like coordinator um, is trying to um, 
tryout for the Eagles head coaching job. Now, the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans position is also open. Who the hell are they even talking to at this point? Because I haven't heard any names, um, like on Bleacher Report or like any site, ESPN. Like, I don't even see who they're talking to. All I see is Deshaun Watson news on the uh, about the Texans. It's like, who who who's gonna be their head coach? <laughs> it's like so late in the game. It's like I imagine they don't get one till like, I don't know, maybe late February because <laughs> of this mess. So that's your NFL news. Um, you got a lot of head coaching hires. You've got some head coaching coach openings still. Philip Rivers retired. And there you go. That's your news uh, roundup, as you like to call it. So now let's get into the divisional uh, playoffs. Uh, a good slate up. Uh, I don't know if you call it good because it, there were, like, half of them were like blowouts. Um, like a lot of them were kind of predictable, but at the same time, these were big games, um, that decided who, who was more motivated to play in the championship games, um, this coming championship Sunday. So first up on the NFC side, we had the LA Rams going up to Lambeau field in the very cold Lambeau field to take on the green Bay Packers. Now, last week I, my big storylines um, were all about the L.A. Rams. Can I? I asked the Rams, could they contain the Packers' offense? Could they? Could Aaron Donald pressure Aaron Rodgers? Um, even at less than hundred percent, could Jalen Ramsey limit Devontae Adams like he did to DK Metcalf of the Seahawks? And most importantly, even at less than hundred percent, can Jared Goff uh, do just enough? You know. Like, take care of the football. Don't get don't get sacked, and do just enough to lead the Rams to an upset. I I said Packers by ten because the offense was going to be too much for the Rams to handle for the Rams to play catch up, and I was kind of right. I I said the score was well, the actual score was thirty two to eighteen, and here's why. The Packers offensive line, man, they did a incredible job. They did an incredible job of protecting Aaron Rodgers. They completely shut down Aaron Donald. Even if it was a less than uh, 50% Aaron Donald, like, he was, like, nowhere. He was getting shut down. And I know they were talking about, oh, they're just, they're, they're not limiting his snap count. But he was not even on the field like half of the time because well if you don't remember the wild card game against Seattle um he had that chest injury and uh, not a chest injury rib injury um when he like hit Russell Wilson and I think Russell Wilson's knee hit Aaron Donald's ribs so he was still affected um by by that hit by that injury and even when he was on the field he couldn't get to Aaron Rodgers. He couldn't even press, pressure him to make a bad mistake. So that Packers offensive line did a really good job of allowing him to throw, allowing him to to make his progressions, make his throws to Devontae Adams. Um, not even 
not not just um allow Aaron Rodgers to throw all day, but they gave running room for the trio of AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams, and is that uh, correct me if I if I made made that name up and Aaron Jones because they were getting running lanes all day on the Rams so they were chunk they were churning up yardage on the Rams like all day long and getting key first downs when when the Packers needed the most and most importantly for the Packers by getting first downs and attacking attacking the Rams defense which was by the way ranked number 1 in the NFL <laughs> they, they certainly didn't play like the number one defense because the Packers were controlling the clock. They were controlling the time of possession by balancing the run with the pass. So that tells you enough that the number one offense was doing so much better than the number one defense that day. As for the Rams, well, all I can say is Jared Goff didn't do too bad. He, he didn't. He took care of the football. Um, he made some some good. He made some okay throws, but he also made some bad throws too. Um, he, he also made some like decent decent plays. Like he, when he needed to get outside the block the pocket on a couple of plays, he actually ran the football. But unfortunately, there were times where he held onto the football too long, and it allowed him to get sacked, and it allowed him to also forced him to throw the ball away. So, that being said, not only does Jared Goff need some competition, the offensive line needs a retool because they apparently can't protect their quarterback. And part of it is not, not I don't blame Andrew Whitworth here. <laughs> it's the rest of the offensive line, but you need to help Andrew, you need to beef up the offensive line. And you need to get Andrew Whitford with some help because he's getting older, guys. He's getting older. He's been with the Rams for years. And he's not going to be there forever. He's going to retire at some point. And he's had, like, a lot of... He's had injuries in, like, in the last couple, last few seasons. And one specific example of how Andrew Whitford, um is getting older is that defend he let defenders pass him by um to which allowed Jared Goff to get sacked multiple times so the Rams need to beef off the their offensive line so that that got them cr- not crushed because they made they nearly made it a game and at the near the third quarter end of the third quarter but unfortunately the Packers ran away with it um at the near the halfway point of the fourth quarter, which is why it was 32 to 18. So Packers are moving on. They finally get to host an NFC championship game with Aaron Rodgers at home uh, compared to the last three years where ever since they won the Super Bowl in 2011 with Aaron Rodgers, the Packers lost to Seattle like melting down and choking that 16 point lead. Then they got blown out in the Falcons last game at the Georgia dome. And then they got blown out by the Niners allowing Raheem Mostert to completely go ham bone on them 
for four touchdowns. So the the Packers finally get a break here. Um, will they though? That's all I could say. <laughs> will they? They're finally at home. They're for the first time in a long time. They're hosting the NFC Championship game. Like they hope, they hope they don't get blown out this time. They hope um, they don't they don't get cursed. Now, as for the Rams, like as they're gonna head into the off season with a bunch of questions. Not just for the bunch of questions, but how are they gonna address it when they don't have a, like very little to no uh, money to spend? But not only that, the 2021 NFL Draft, they don't have a first round pick again. Yikes. Big yikes. And my personal offseason needs for the Rams is a quality backup to challenge Jared Goff because I'm I'm sorry Rams fans, but I just don't think Jared Goff is the guy. I just don't think he's the guy. I think they need a backup. I don't I don't know what I don't know if they have a pick in the second round or even the third round, but if they have a pick in the second round in the draft I'd say get it on a quarterback because they need one. They really need a quarterback to to motivate Jared Goff into playing better because he he ain't, he hasn't been getting it done ever since the Super Bowl. They're they're thirteen to three uh, Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, and he needs to be challenged. He needs to be challenged. Otherwise, that extension he signed after the Super Bowl. Like it's looking like total shit. It it really is. Not only that, um, Aaron Donald could use some help on the defensive line. So I don't know how you're gonna get that help, but you do need some help there. And you also need some help on the offensive line because Andrew Whitworth again is not getting any younger. And you need some corners to support Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams. But again, it all revolves around. How are you going to do it when you have so little money and so little draft capital to, to use up? So, Rams fans, um, it's going to be an interesting offseason for you guys. Now, the nightcap for uh, Saturday night in the divisionals were on the AFC side. The number five Baltimore Ravens took on the number two Buffalo Bills. Now, my, my big storylines for this game um were centered around both teams actually i asked the ravens specifically on defense if they could have a repeat performance from sunday's wildcard game and that was by sh- shutting down savon diggs cole and cole beasley and because like without um a, the bills running game which was non-existent in the wildcard game the ravens could have could have attacked Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and I didn't know he was playing, but John Brown too, because he was apparently active. And not only that, could the Ravens pressure Josh Allen? And as for the Bills, would that run defense be able to limit Lamar Jackson and rookie running back J.K. Dobbins? And I predicted I was feeling upset friendly um, when I made that episode last week. I predicted Ravens by three, and I predict I mentioned that Josh Allen and the Bills would would be fighting, and 
it would it'd be up to the Bills defense and their ability to stop stop Lamar Jackson in the air and on the ground if they wanted to have a chance. But in the end, it would would have been the Ravens that would have made it past the Bills to go to the AFC Championship. But boy, was I wrong about that. Was I wrong? Um, it it was seventeen to three, but it, it did not feel like that for first for the first half, because all first half, it was like all defense, and that was because the Bills did exactly what I said in my key storyline. The Bills defense shut down. Lamar Jackson from running the ball because he often likes to do that. They also shut down their running game. So they did exa- they did exactly what they needed to do. Like forced Lamar Jackson to throw and he did bad <laughs> at that. And not only that, like they the Bills the Ravens also limited Josh Allen in the first half and they kept um Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown contained as well. So it was a back and forth seesaw battle of kickers too, because there was heavy wind in Buffalo, and the often reliable Justin Tucker, uh, the Ravens kicker, was missing kicks. Not just missing kicks, but doinking them. He doinked it twice before finally making one at the end of the half. But Tyler Bass, in contrast, actually made a kick on his first try so it was tied up at three like going to the half and following the half yeah the Ravens began to crumble they just began to crumble because the Bills got the ball to start the second half um and right right from the get-go the the Bills offense just felt more energized they they adjusted to they adjusted their game plan they marched down the field um Josh Allen finally connects uh, with Stephon Diggs on a touchdown. Um, the first and only offensive touchdown in the game. And that finally lit a fire. That finally lit a spark um, for, for the Bills offense. Because on the next possession, literally on the next possession, when the Bills defense just was, as I was about to say, the Bills defense are literally about to allow <laughs> Lamar Jackson and the Ravens back into this game. Um, and try to make this interesting. The Bill, like Lamar Jackson, makes this stupid ass throw. <laughs> he doesn't read the field. He throws it right into the arms of Teron, uh, Teron Johnson, the corner for one of the corners for the Bills, into the end zone. And he, Teron Johnson, went Naruto running all the from end to end, literally 100 yards. All from one end of the field to the other end of the field for a pick six, and that pretty much like turned the tide. That pretty much, <laughs> pretty much ended it um, for the Ravens. That was just like an emotional like bang. That's it. And not only that, like if as if the Ravens didn't need even more heartbreak. Lamar Jackson um, on a botched nap. Um, he got concussed um, on, at the end of the of the play on the next series, and they had to turn to Tyler Huntley because uh, RG three was all um, inactive due to injury. So Tyler Huntley, 
um, had to replace Jackson because Jackson was eventually ruled out of the game with a concussion. And he nearly tried to make the Bills sweat. <laughs> I, I was honestly surprised that um, Huntley, who who hasn't like been with the, he was on, I think he was on the Ravens practice squad. He was active for this game, and he nearly he nearly got the Ra- uh, the Ravens into a one score game. But when on two tries, on two possessions. He over he overthrew Marquise Brown, and then at the on their last possession, it fell incomplete in the end zone. So he literally got them to sweat. He <laughs> got the Bills' defense to sweat. Um, so the Bills stood their ground on the Ravens, even yeah, even to a backup quarterback, and they went seventeen three. Now, Lamar Jackson, man. I don't know if you deserve an extension right now, man, because when the lights are shining brightest, you just shrink. You just, you just shrink and shrink because the Bills defense, they knew what you were going to do. When you wanted to run the ball, the Bills defense was already on your ass. And when you wanted to throw the ball, they knew you were limited there. So... I just don't don't know. I th- the Bills' defense obviously had the playmakers. They had the awareness to adjust and prevent the offense from scoring. And Lamar Jackson just didn't adjust. He continued to try to... He just tried to continue running the football by himself. And it still didn't work. It still didn't work. He couldn't, he couldn't get away from the Bill, Bills' defense. So, that's... A big reason, well, not also a big reason why, one of the big reasons why the Ravens failed, and I, I don't know, I just don't know the Ravens can continue to compete like that in the playoffs. Now as for the for the Bills, um, Josh Allen, he had an he had a slow start, but again that's because of the Ravens defense in the first half, but then they eventually unraveled. Um. Again, for Josh Allen, he eventually heated up in the second half, especially in that first possession of the second half. Um, but you're going up against the Chiefs next week. Next week, and if Patrick, if Matt, if Patrick Mahomes plays, again, we'll get into that when we get there. If Patrick Mahomes plays, you're gonna have to start drives faster, um, because if you start uh, your, let's say your first. Two drives on with three and outs, yeah, it ain't gonna get it done. But the winner for the Bills was the defense because that pick six changed the game. That that finally got them heated up. That finally allowed them to control the tempo. So good job of the Bills defense um, in this game, and hopefully they carry that momentum into the title game against the Chiefs. Now the Ravens are going to their off season. Um, I don't know what they really need to address here other than getting Lamar Jackson some help because as much as Lamar Jackson needs to address his own concerns, the Ravens need to address the hit the concerns around him. Uh, not like hit his receivers, his offensive line, like get him some damn help because Marquise Brown is the only receiver. Like, I guess you could consider his only receiver 
and there's nobody else. There is nobody else. And his offensive line is not that great. So get the Ravens need to get him some help. Otherwise, he's going to continue to um, flop hard in the playoffs. So that was the Bills and Ravens. Bills win to advance to the AFC Championship against the winner of the Sunday Divisional game, which was the Cleveland Browns going to Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. The defending, undisputed, reigning um, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Failed Paul Heyman uh, quote. So my big storylines here were whether or not um, the Chiefs' last couple of games against the Broncos, Dolphins, Saints, Falcons were just think like big smoke screens. And what I meant by smoke screens were they just like bad games for Patrick Mahomes because th- those teams nearly won. Those teams nearly beat the Chiefs. The- had Patrick Mahomes not come clutch against those teams, they would have been they would have been eleven and five. In all honesty. Uh, not not even 11-5, 10 and 6. Um in all honesty. But maybe those games could have been motivation for Patrick Mahomes um to play so much better um in this game. As for the Browns, how how were they going to build on this on the momentum from last week's big win against the Steelers in the wild card round cuz keep in mind last um in the wild card game they beat the Steelers big. They they defeated they defeated the Steelers. I think it was forty eight to thirty nine. But don't let that score um, tell you what actually happened. They they recovered a fumble in the end zone on the opening snap for, from the Steelers. They picked off Ben Roethlisberger uh, four times, and they made a, a lot of good plays both on offense and defense. But clearly. They are not playing a washed-up Ben Roethlisberger. They're playing the reigning, defending Super Bowl MVP and the Super reigning Super Bowl champions here. So they're going up against a very different animal. And fortunately, fortunately for them, they were getting their head coach back and a bunch of other um, players and uh, coaching uh, staff members back from the COVID list. So they were coming in motivated uh, to pull off an upset against the Chiefs to go to so they can go to Buffalo for the hope hopefully go to Buffalo for the AFC title game. And while I predicted that it it would have been a tight contest, um, it would have been the Patrick Mahomes a uh, clutch clutch show, um, and the Chiefs would win by by seven. I was kind of right. <laughs> it wasn't by seven, um, but it was a very tight contest. From the get go, twenty two to seven, um, but there was a lot of things that happened um, to get to that point. The Browns were actually down big at the half, like sixteen to three. They're no, not no nineteen to three. So the Chiefs only scored like three points following the the in the second half. So the Chiefs were down nineteen to three. Oh no, no, not the Chiefs. The Browns were down nineteen to three, and at halftime. So then there were a lot of reasons why. The, the Browns clearly couldn't stop uh, Patrick Mahomes and the, the Chiefs' offense because they didn't—they weren't able to cover 
Tyreek Hill, because obviously, <laughs> who can't cover Tyreek Hill? They couldn't cover Travis Kelsey, and a bunch of their other running backs and receivers that were there. And also on defense, they need some help. They, like, there was just like nobody there. Nobody there. And on offense, they kept going with Nick Chubb when Nick Chubb couldn't find any like open space um, to run. And the Chiefs were like reading it well. But we'll get into Kareem Hunt later. So they, they were playing scared for a lot of that first half. And they almost made it a one-score game. They almost did make it a one-score game. But unfortunately... Um, I don't know if it was People's Jones that fumbled it, but some someone on the Browns, like almost got a touchdown, but they they reached for the pylon, but a, a Chiefs defender like made a helmet to helmet tackle, which would have it should have been a penalty. That should have been a penalty, and gave the Browns a first down. I don't know why the refs didn't call that. They, regardless, they that Chiefs defender knocked the ball out of the Browns receiver's hands, and it it was called for a touchback in the end zone. They they were almost there, but no dice. So the Browns were down um, three to nineteen at the half, and why why was the score uh, much closer? Well. Something big happened um, midway through the third. Patrick Mahomes went down. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes went down. Um, he was tackled on the turf um, with the concussion. He got concussed. Um, like it was kind of a disturbing sight to see. To, to be honest with you, he got um, hit. He got tackled by Mac Wilson when when Mahomes was scrambling for a first down, but he was short of it. But when he was getting up. He was like, he was like dizzy. He, he he was struggling to get up. He was like, fuck. It's like he didn't know where to go. He he was struggling to to know where to go, and that that was just like, God, that's scary. That is really scary. And while he did just as well as you expect him to do, like having a field day against the Browns' defense. Um, hitting a stride with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. It, that was just a scary moment for Chiefs fans because Patrick Mahomes would not return for the game. Uh, the backup, Chad Henney, had to cover him, cover for him for the rest of the game. And the, at that point, the Chiefs uh, Chiefs fans and the, like, the rest of the team were just holding their breath. They are just hoping that they can go to their third straight AFC Championship game, have the Bills... Like come to this place where it gets loud, very loud, and they're just hoping for a miracle, hoping for a miracle, hoping that the Browns um, go full skid mark again and not come back. But unfortunately, the Browns almost did come back. Um, the Browns ra- started to rally in the fourth quarter, um, thanks to Kareem Hunt, which the Browns should have been who sh- the Browns should have been using all along um, instead of Nick Chubb's. Uh, no show, no show, dumbass. So they start using Kareem Hunt, and Kareem Hunt like starts dicing his way uh, for five, like not 
not big gains, but critical five-yard gains and then more five-yard gains that would get first downs. So he was he was making the gains that need to be get, unlike Nick Chubb, who was getting like very little yardage or he was even getting knocked back. So, and then Baker Mayfield finally decided to show up and he was finally connecting with Jarvis Landry, people, Donovan Peoples-Jones, um, Austin Hooper. So... He is finally pushing the ball downfield. He's finally they're finally going uh, up tempo. And I was trying to, I was pushing for them to go up tempo um, in the fourth quarter when they were trying to rally. Because how are you get how are you gonna win the, like how how did the Browns win this game if they're not gonna like push the ball downfield and they're just like sitting like moving the pace so slowly. So the Browns make it. 22 to 17 like with midway through the fourth quarter and on the Browns last possession they they do a bunch of checkdowns and I don't know why they on third and forever they check it down to Kareem Hunt and after that even if it was like fourth and nine they don't go for it they Kevin Stefanski calls for his punting group and hopes and praise that the Chiefs, that his defense has been that has been forming so bad in this game, gets a stop against the Chiefs. Who keep in mind you is not the same Chiefs that has choked in the previous AFC wildcard games against the Titans um, a couple years ago. Not the recent AFC Championship game. The ones against. If I can remember correctly, the the Patriots, um, who who managed to hold them off, but you get my point. <laughs> these these are not the Chiefs of the past. These these are the much more aggressive uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So why why didn't Kansas like I know Kevin Stefanski is a new coach and all that, but why can't he get aggressive here? It's I know you're. They're in field goal range if they turn it over on downs. But take a chance here. It's win or go home. It's like, take a chance. Just take a chance. So, they punt. And they don't get the ball back. Ever. For the rest of the game. Because they call it, They try to call their timeouts. But the, the Chiefs offense continue to get the first downs. And... After the two-minute warning, it's third down in... I forgot, third down in nine. After Miles Garrett sacks uh, Chad Henney. But on third down in nine... <laughs> they allowed Chad Henney uh, to get about eight yards of that of that sack back. So they're like a yard short. Like inches short of the first down marker. So the Chiefs call a timeout... <laughs> to talk things over because well do they want to punt do you want to get the ball back to the browns or should we actually try to go for it even if we don't go for it um we you never know if the browns will actually make it to the end zone so i think i th- i thought at this point the browns uh not, not the browns the chiefs would punt it here but no again these were not the chiefs of the old the Chiefs, with a backup quarterback, actually went for it. And I was like, what the fuck are they doing here? And lo and behold, they actually 
converted the first down. Chad Henney actually threw the football to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill caught it and slid down, so the time would continue to go down, and bam, Chiefs win it. So, that was honestly, like, some some crazy game. Like, a lot of crazy games. Uh, a lot of crazy game that featured a lot of drama. Uh, a near comeback by the Browns, but unfortunately, the defense uh, bit them in the ass. And I do want to say one, like, actually two things. One is about the commentary, especially at the end of the game. Like, it's, if there wasn't one bit of obvious instance that Jim Nance and Tony Romer were, you know. If you don't know what I'm referring to on the audio version, you know, stroking the thing, you know, innuendo. They they made it blatantly clear that they're biased towards the Chiefs because Tony Romo was getting all, oh yeah, the Chiefs made the first down, holy shit. He was like he was like getting so worked up when the Browns when every time the Browns were doing game first downs, even on ex- the exciting stuff, he was just like, oh okay, cool. But I know, I get it, it was a, a gutsy and cool play to for the Chiefs to get that first down. And it, I, I was in disbelief that that they actually made it. But why did Tony Romo have to like to jerk the curtain, as they like to call it? They why why did they have to go like full blow <laughs> all over that play? I I mean I like Tony Romo, I like Jim Nance, but why did they have to make it so blatantly obvious that they're Chiefs fans? I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I really don't. Like, please. Don't let your bias show. <laughs> don't let your bias show, Jim and Tony. I like you guys. I really do. But, come on. Unbiased commentary, please. So, even though the Chiefs won... um, so, Sorry, I had to get that out. I really had to get that out. Because that has been... That, just, that has just been, like... On my nerves. At, like, <laughs> for, like, the past couple of days now. But, yeah. The Chiefs won. But now... They have to um, keep their eyes on the health of Patrick Mahomes, who is still currently in concussion protocol. As of this recording, he had limited practice, but he's still in the concussion protocol. So it's going to be worth monitoring if he passes the protocol. But it's I don't know how how long it takes for him to actually like pass it. Well, it pass it by. Friday, will he pass it by Saturday? Will he pass it by game time? Game time is set for around 3.30 um, Pacific, 6.40 Eastern on Sunday. So, I don't know, like, if he's going to pass concussion protocol. But even then, even then, this is something um, me and my dad were actually talking about. Um, earlier today even if Patrick Mahomes plays and I get it's the AFC championship game Patrick Mahomes is still at a relatively young age he has a concussion I know he, he he's the next um next great uh NFL quarterback um and I I do believe he's he's gonna 
be one of those um, great great quarterbacks in, of the future. But, but is he like it by playing? Playing this game, if the Chiefs allow him to play this game, if the NFL actually, it, even if the NFL um, allows him to play play this game, when they the concussion protocol tells him otherwise, like how's it gonna? If he's not one hundred percent, even if the concussion protocol says, "Oh yes, he passed," then it's. Is it how is it going to affect them long term? Is is this risk of playing the AFC Championship game when he's less than one hundred percent from a concussion, which is a bad, like a really bad, like a bad injury, like in the long term. Short term, I'm, I'm not I'm no, no medical expert, but it's it's a bad injury. But long term, it could be a very bad injury. Um, do the Chiefs want to take that chance? Um, risking his health, um, playing the AFC Championship game, uh, off of a concussion. So it's interesting to note, and I get, yeah, I know the championship stake is there, but it's something to keep in mind. You know, Patrick Mahomes still has years to get Super Bowl rings, and I get that the Chiefs want to win back to back, but they can't get greedy with Patrick Mahomes' health. This is your franchise quarterback that you're talking about here. And if you get greedy with Mahomes' his health for over a Super Bowl ring, going back to back, potentially, then you're just going to like ruin his long-term uh health, his long-term his longevity as an NFL quarterback. So it's something to work, keep an eye on um in the next couple of days. Um, so whether he plays on Sunday, um, it's going to be something to keep an eye on. And then last but not least, to wrap up divisional weekend, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up against the New Orleans Saints in the three match of their, of their rivalry from this season. And this was an interesting one. This was an interesting, uh, matchup going into it. Uh, there are a lot of a couple of storylines going into this game, like the Saints' um, ability to pull off the three P over the Bucks. Remember going in um, for all the casual viewers, the Saints defeated the Bucks by big margins, especially the second game where they blew them out thirty-eight to three. That was like Brady's worst game ever as a starting quarterback. Um, even like even. When back in 2003, he got shut out by the Bills. This was still <laughs> his biggest loss ever in an NFL game, in my opinion. As for Brady, speaking of, um, was he going to be able to finally beat Drew Brees this year? Because he was just so embarrassed. Um, the first, the first two go rounds, he was tired of getting smack talked. Um, by Saint by Saints players, not named Bree, like not including Breeze, um, but he was just like he wanted to prove something that he can beat um, the Saints when it mattered most. Um, but also regarding Breeze, because he was like getting older, um, 
he his arm strength was clearly not the same as it was before. It was actually significantly regressing. How like fan how concerned would fans be about him going in this game? Because again, not it wasn't about just his throwing ability, but his health. Um, because he was he also missed a couple of games due to injury due to that rib injury he suffered back in week ten uh, to the Niners, um, and that also like affected him. Um, for a couple weeks, but that remained to be seen. And the defense for the Bucks, they clearly didn't like didn't play a good game in my eyes against the Washington football team. Um, they thought they could just run around the Washington team, but they let them hang around against <laughs> a relatively unknown quarterback in Taylor Heineke. So. Like, they clearly had to adjust their game plan. They clearly had to prepare better against a Saints team that had that still has Drew Brees, that still has Alan Kamara, that still has Michael Thomas, um, and still has that uh, def- uh, an, uh, another opposing defense led by Cam Jordan. And uh, While I still thought the Saints had that de- offense, I still predicted the Bucks to win by a 7 I said that they had much better pieces around the offense and the defense had a bad game, but they should be able to bounce back. And man, did they bounce back big? <laughs> they the defense bounced back big. So Tampa Bay finally got its revenge in a variety of ways, but most most of it was on defense. Drew Brees got picked off for no three times. Three times in this game, and all of it all those interceptions led to led to touchdowns from from the offense. And man, I'll I'll talk I'll actually talk about Drew Brees later because those were very bad throws um, by Brees and good those were good return interception returns by uh, the defense because it led to to short yardage uh, touchdowns touchdown possessions by the Bucks. That I, that was like a, a a large chunk from of their points scored, so that was a good possession possession there. Speaking of the offense, Brady controlled the tempo um, with a turnover pre performance, and even if he didn't do like even if the defense did a lot of the work, um, he Leonard Floyd, um, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown um, continue to. Um, maintain their chemistry throughout the game and the defense like they pressured breeze into making those three picks um and they forced a jared cook fumble a very critical one um in the game as well so a much better performance from the defense um for in contrast to last week against washington so as for drew breeze um i know there were ta- there were reports from jay glazer fox sports is jay glazer about how Drew Brees is plans to retire, but it's not confirmed yet. But if this was indeed Drew Brees' last game um, ever in the NFL, this is a really sad way to go out, man. It's like three picks, um, and you're Dakin and Duncan, um, your passes. It's like, man, I I know it's like, I know I like talking <laughs> about how bad his performance and I'm just sitting here as an armchair QB, but 
I don't know. It was not. It was just not a good uh, game to to go out if that was your last game. Um, as a veteran, a veteran quarterback with being in the top two for touchdowns, for passing yards, um, and having a Super Bowl ring. I don't know. I, I for for Breeze, it's just, it's just a crappy way to grow to go out. Not just for Breeze, but also for the Saints. This is just another disappointing way for them to exit the playoffs and wasting yet another uh, chance for Breeze to get a Super Bowl ring. You just got to look at the last uh, couple of years for the Saints and how they exited the playoffs. 2017, the Minneapolis Miracle against the Vikings. 2018, you know, uh, like for some of you that remember, the controversial, I don't know if you call it controversial, justified, validated, the no call, the lack of a pass interference on the Rams defense at the end of the at the end of the game, near the end of the game, and in the critical moment of the fourth quarter, um, and the interception by Drew Brees, um, in overtime that that led to the Rams going to the Super Bowl that cost them their chance to face Tom Brady, um, when he was on the Patriots, and then in 2019, in that in the wild card game against the Vikings, they had a chance to move on to the divisional but they let the vikings hang around for too long and they they allowed kyle they went to overtime drew Brees never got the ball kyle rudolph the vikings and kirk cousins marched down the field kyle rudolph scores the game-winning touchdown the tight end but and i don't know why (laughs) this became a controversial thing The, the kyle rudolph kind of pushed off but in my eyes it wasn't enough to warrant offensive pass interference so they're literally trying to Saints fan were trying to really rile up for even more controversy for even more like positions that oh they, this was more controversy on pass interference like we were robbed again so Saints fans felt robbed for two straight years in 2018 2019 and then 2020 oh yeah we got Drew Brees throws three picks, and the Saints' offense just didn't have a light, like didn't have the light in the fire enough in them to beat the Bucks for the third straight time to get Brees that ring. So again, this if Brees does retire, and I know he doesn't want to retire this way, but he, he, it's going to be a tough decision for him. It's going to be a tough decision for him. So speaking of tough decisions, oh man, if you thought the Eagles cap uh, salary cap situation was bad, oh man, the Saints, oh, <laughs> the Saints are marching down salary cap hell. In other words, they don't have money to spend on signing their own free agents, other players around the league. Even offer contract extensions for eligible players on their roster. Yikes! 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 yikes. All around, man. They, I believe when I last checked, they are ninety nine point eight million over the salary cap limit. So they are in the deep, 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 deep red zone, and that is bad. 
So, oof, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I don't, they, pro- they obviously can't keep most of the players that are free agents. They're going to have to ask a lot, a lot of their players that are, that are signed for a few more years to take, uh, probably pay cuts or restructure their contracts. I don't know what they're going to do. The saints are in a precarious situation and that gets even more precarious. Um, if drew Brees retires, but regardless, if drew Brees retires, they need to address their quarterback situation because Taysom Hill, like that sample size we got in, I forgot how many games he started when, I think it was like five games that Drew Brees was out um, this past season, but it was becoming real apparent that Taysom Hill is not not going to be the not even the short term answer to starter, um, because one one of the reasons why they like Taysom Hill is that you can use him in just about any situation. I don't know if you can really use him as a long term starting quarterback, and those last those games that. Taysom Hill started like eventually the later games kind of prove why that he just it, it shouldn't be a long-term solution so they should do whatever it takes like to resign Jameis Winston and I do believe it's in Jameis Winston's interest to resign with the Saints on a team-friendly deal because does James Winston really expect himself to get a super mega contract, a super mega ultra mega? Look at this fucking mega contract in the off season from another team. Uh, if some, unless if he's really desperate, unless if some team's really desperate to offer him a really big contract, I don't know. I I just think you should use use this opportunity if especially if Brees retires. To re-sign with the Saints, get an opportunity to become the long, the short-term, and maybe even the long-term starter. And who knows? Who knows? So that's that. That's my thoughts on the Saints' off-season needs, and that's my thoughts on the divisional round. A lot of stuff happened in that divisional round, but. My biggest takeaway from this divisional round is the health of Patrick Mahomes because that's going to be a big factor going into the AFC title game, which we're going to cover now. We are going to cover uh, Conference Championship Sunday. Um, we have made it. We have made it to the final four of the NFL playoffs. We are just one more stop away from the Super Bowl. I don't count the Pro Bowl. Sorry. <laughs> I don't count the Pro Bowl um, for those people that like the Pro Bowl. But here on the Very Cold Lasagna podcast, I don't care about the Pro Bowl. <laughs> so it's the last stop before um, the Super Bowl. Championship Sunday. We got four four teams, the final four, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Green Bay Packers, the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs. Which team, which team from the NFC, which team from the AFC are going to be rep- facing off each other in the Super Bowl? We're going to find out this Sunday. So, starting things off is in the NFC at 12 o'clock Pacific on Fox is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
going up to very cold Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. My big storylines here are whether or not Tom Brady um, and the Bucks are going to be able to defeat Aaron Rodgers um, again. I'll get to again in a second. So they could become the first um, team in NFL history to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Now, here's a couple of factoids here. The closest team to having the opportunity to play a Super Bowl on their home home stadium was the 2017 Minnesota Vikings. The Super Bowl that year, um, Super Bowl 52, was in U.S. Bank Stadium, the in Minneapolis, but they made the Vikings, as I mentioned about the Minneapolis miracle earlier, the following week, they got their ass beat by the eventual Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. So in essence, the Eagles literally were, became the team that played in the Vikings stadium like two weeks after the Eagles pounded on the Vikings. So nonetheless, the Vikings were the closest team um, to becoming the first team to ho- technically host a Super Bowl and play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So the, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to be the second team with that opportunity. And who knows? Anything can happen here. They, they might be just be able to. But they're going to have a challenge on their hands because they're facing Aaron Rodgers and... Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones that not just Aaron Jones AJ Dillon Jamal Williams that three-headed running back dragon and in that in that running game of course Devontae Adams and that Packer defense so speaking of the Packer defense can that defense shut down the Bucks variety of receivers they got Antonio Brown they got Chris Godwin they got Rob Gronkowski, they got Leonard Fournette, they got Ronald Jones. Now, now they got a suddenly resurging Cameron Brait, uh, all on the offense. So this this not just this is not the Rams that the Packers are dealing with because the Rams are not dealing with Jared Goff and their lack of receivers. They're dealing with a whole like army, <laughs> as I like to put. It. They're dealing with an army of like weapons in Tampa Bay and they're dealing with a six-time Super Bowl champion in Tom Brady and a whole skill set of receivers so I would also say the same thing at the same time for the Bucks defense who did play a bad game against uh Washington but also played a good game albeit against an aging quarterback in Drew Brees so, it's going to be a wild one. It's going to be a wild game um, between the Bucks and the Packers. Now, keep in mind, they faced each other in Week 5, where the where the Packers got blown out 38-10. to They allowed the Bucks to score 38 unanswered points after the Packers scored 10 straight. So, it was, it was a route. It was a route in uh, Week 5 when they faced off. But since then, they've been... Two different teams. Rodgers in that offense have been playing at an MVP level, especially Rodgers, and they they tightened up on defense. So they've they've just been a much different team, and 
they've been able to scrap out a lot of wins and especially like a lot of big ones. As for the Bucks, um, they aside from getting pounded by the Saints, they found they found their footing on defense while hitting their stride uh, and finally maintaining that chemistry on offense. But keep in mind, these were against like teams the the likes of the Saints, the Washington football team, the Falcons twice, the Detroit Lions, and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, since their their last loss to the New Orleans Saints in the regular season, in at home, that blow that big blowout loss. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be cold for <laughs> the Tampa Bay Bucks too. So that's probably gonna be a big factor for most of the team. Not not for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski because again they played in New England, so they know already know what it feels like to play in cold weather, um, to play in that, um, very cold environment in Lambeau, um, like similar to, uh, Foxborough. So it's going to be a shootout. Um, but I predict the Packers are going to win by six. They're, they're going to Packers are going to hang on, um, to keep Brady and the Bucks from playing the Super Bowl on their turf. Um, so they're just the more balanced team in my eyes and Rodgers is playing at an an MVP level um and he's just going to do like what he does to lead his team to victory on Sunday on the NFC side. On the AFC side, we have the Buffalo Bills traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs in the AFC title game on CBS in the final game of Championship Sunday. Now, as I've mentioned frequently, Throughout this uh, episode, it that is the health of Patrick Mahomes. Um, again, as of this recording, Mahomes is still in the protocol of the concussion protocol. Um, he did have a limited practice um, as at the as of this recording, but it remains to be seen if he's actually cleared to play. So he still got past the protocol. He's so. The Chiefs can uh, clear him to play. So if Mahomes doesn't play, um, how aggressive is Andy Reid's play calling going to get with Chad Henney under center? So I imagine they still will. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be the same as it was last, like like the last game against the Browns because they were getting like very aggressive Chad Henney like threw a deep ball to Tyreek Hill but it got even though it got intercepted but that just shows how um aggressive he can like that play calling can get and then of course you got the fourth down play at the end of the game where they threw it to Tyreek um to seal the game so it's going to be interesting to how they approach this game if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play as for the Bills um it's all about if they can continue to um, build on their momentum from the Colts and the Ravens game on both sides of the ball. The Colts game, the offense did what it needed to do. It's it's like it built on the momentum. It built on the chemistry of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and then in the Ravens game they got John Brown. So they got their plenty of weapons um, on offense for this game, and now it's on Josh Allen to take that next step. And outduel the Chiefs. As for the Bills' defense, they 
had a bad game, um, failing to pressure Phillip Rivers and shut down their running game. But in the Ravens game, they pressured uh, and contained Lamar Jackson all game and, again, got that pick six in the third quarter. So they're hoping to have able to at least try to keep up, try to limit as much as possible um, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Um, I don't know if Sam Watkins is still there, but regardless, the lineage of receivers and weapons that are on that Chiefs offense, and especially if Mahomes plays, his running ability. So it's going to be on the Bill again. It's going to be on the Bills' offense to play the best football that they can actually play. They have to go all out on all sides of the ball to win this game. So. My prediction, it gets a little dicey here, actually. If Mahomes does play, I think the Chiefs win it by three. And that's all I can put it at there. But then I also put here, it's a toss-up for the Bills also at three. But if Mahomes doesn't play, it's Bills by seven. Both of these teams' quarterbacks are playing great football right now. Um, but... If Mahomes plays, it's like he's unstoppable, man. Even at less than 100%. So, and even with him out, you still got to consider Hill, Kelsey. Um, and even though he didn't play, but he has a chance of playing um, if he's cleared. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the running back the, from, I think it was the last, um, the last draft um, for 2020. He's going to be a challenge for... They're all going to be a challenge for the Bills to defend. So... And that was especially a challenge when the Bills um, and Chiefs met in Week 6. So... There's still going to be a challenge here. So... If Mahomes doesn't play, the result swings a bit. And again... That... it's I say a bit in favor of the Bills because... Again, you still got to deal with the Chiefs' uh, offensive weapons... But, again, it's all dependent on how Josh Allen performs and the biggest spotlights he's had like in his career, the AFC Championship game. It's like it's your one-way ticket to the Super Bowl, man. It's like you got to perform on the biggest bright lights. Don't, let, don't shrink. Don't, don't go check down Charlie like all game. You got to get aggressive. You got to push for plays even if they don't seem worth the risk. You got John Brown back last week, um, which was a welcome addition to your receiving core. Now you got to you got to connect with every receiver you got. John Brown, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Deshaun Knox, um, and now the suddenly emerging Gabriel Davis. It's they're like your counterpunch to the Chiefs def- against the Chiefs defense that's led by Tyron Matthew. So speaking of the Chiefs defense, don't count them out because. They did a pretty good job um, going up against uh, the Browns defense and, uh, of course, against the Bills in week, six, in week six of the regular season. So either team can win it, um, but the result's going to depend on whether Mahomes plays or not. So, again, if Mahomes plays, it's a toss-up. Either the Bills or Chiefs win by three. But if Chad Henney plays because Mahomes is out, then the Bills will win by seven. I don't know. It's just a really hard prediction to make because 
they're this these teams are just so like so good now especially the bills like since ever since they faced they lost to the chiefs in week six they just come just they just became a much better team um following that and that's not a knock on the chiefs because patrick holmes is like becoming a great future quarterback but you gotta take a consideration what, what the chiefs have on offense on defense so they're they're gonna be in a all-out fight on sunday so all i can say at this point for the afc side and i guess i could say this for the nfc side one of these teams is gonna ma- make the super bowl one nfc team is gonna represent the super bowl one afc team is gonna represent the super bowl which one is it gonna be well we're about to find out on sunday and I can't really give you a definitive Super Bowl prediction because, well, it's just, it's kind of hard to pick on, especially on the AFC side. So it's going to be a fun one to watch on Sunday. Uh, these, the slate of championship games, um, it's going to be one hell of a ride, man. It's going to be one hell of a ride. Um, that's going to take our heads off, <laughs> um, the, off the seat, man. But anyway, that's all I got for you on this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I'll be back for you, for you all, for all you listeners, for all you viewers of the podcast next week when we recap the the NFC and AFC Championship games and give you my early preview of the Super Bowl matchup between either one of the these winners of the championship games. It should be interesting. Plus, a another episode that same week. For my wrestling fans out there, for the Royal Rumble, it's it's very blind. It's a very like blind predictions vi- predictions episode. So don't expect me to give you like oh I it's like I'm gonna I pick this person because oh yeah <laughs> again I haven't watched WWE and even AEW in the last several months. So forgive me, forgive me if my reasoning for picking ex wrestler to win the Royal Rumble is nonchalant. But anyway, everyone, that's it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. Keep that very cold lasagna, um, very cold in the fridge with your freezing cold takes on the world of professional wrestling and sports. I am your host, Dylan Lasagna. Make sure to subscribe to the channel um, of this Very Cold Lasagna and make sure to listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Tap the bell on the U- on YouTube so you can be notified of every single episode that comes out and even the extras. And follow me on Twitter at VeryColdLasagna and I will see you all next time. Take care everyone and have a good day.